Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Crude Report, a podcast series on global crude oil markets. I'm Jeff Kralowitz, Vice President of Business Development at Argus. And joining me today is Sandy Fielden, Director of Research at Morningstar Commodities and Energy. Hi, Sandy. Hi. So today we want to look at condensate splitters at the Gulf Coast and the economics of running these units in the current market conditions. Sandy has written an excellent research note on this topic, and we plan to get into some of the granular detail in a full webinar on Thursday, November 19th. I hope you'll all register for that by going to argusmedia.com forward slash webinars. That's argusmedia.com forward slash webinars and plan to join us on the 19th. But for now, let's get started on the topic. Most of us know that there are a lot of light hydrocarbon liquids, broadly called condensate, that are produced in Texas. Just between 2015 and 2018, about 250,000 barrels a day of condensate splitter capacity was built at the Gulf Coast to process this condensate. Most of that splitter capacity was contracted to Trafigura and BP. So Sandy, maybe you could get us started by telling us what is a condensate splitter, what it does, and why we saw that spate of new condensate splitter capacity built running up to 2018. Yeah, so shale crude production in the Eagleford Basin of South Texas grew at an astounding uh, 12-fold during the first shale boom from just 142,000 barrels a day in January of 2011 to 1.7 million barrels a day in March of 2015. Uh, That's according to the EIA's drilling productivity report. So much of this production, uh, as much as 50%, was very light crude or condensate. With all this production, nearby Gulf Coast refiners, uh, particularly in Houston and Corpus Christi, couldn't really process such large volumes of condensate, which is a very light crude, without blending it with heavier crude. And that's because their plants weren't really configured for such light feedstock. So if you put very light feedstock through uh, a, a regular refinery atmospheric distillation tower, it produces a lot more light ends than a typical uh, downstream unit can handle. So Gulf Coast refineries built to process heavier imported crude or Gulf of Mexico crude. Basically, it produces too much light ends and limits how much they can put through the refinery. That's great background. And how did the market deal with this excess condensate? Well, at the time, um, Since uh, exports of crude oil were banned uh, by a federal uh, regulation except for Canada, this light condensate was basically stranded at the Gulf Coast. In fact, the only obvious market for it was, uh, as we'll get into in a bit, a solvent for heavy crude in Western Canada, which is a market 2,000 miles away. Uh, So at the time, Eagleford condensate was basically shipped uh, along the Gulf Coast on the Gulf Intracoastal Waterway by barge from Corpus, which is the nearest port to the Eagleford, uh, for blending with heavier crudes by refiners along the Gulf Coast. And they blended it with heavier crudes like Gulf of Mexico grades to make uh, blended grades like LLS or Light Louisiana Sweet uh, that refineries value more highly. So there's a situation with too much volume of uh, light crude, limited demand, 
and an export ban, which basically strands this condensate. And that requires uh, or basically forces price discounts by condensate producers to clear it in the marketplace. And these discounts get up as high as about $15 a barrel versus LLS in, in 2013. So how were the splitters the answer to that oversupply and those deep discounts? Well, midstream companies uh, around 2013, 2014 started planning condensate splitters to process this stranded condensate into uh, more valuable refined products. So these splitters are basically just simple distillation towers that effectively heat up and condense out the component parts of the condensate, uh, LPGs, uh, petroleum gases, um, butane, propane, naphthas, kerosene, and residual fuel oil. And these resulting products can then be blended into finished products like gasoline and diesel, uh, sold to refiners, or exported into growing markets uh, like Mexico. So the argument in favor of building splitters was that a midstream company building a plant could actually accrue revenue from gathering the condensate from pipeline tariffs, shipping it to market, and a processing fee for the splitter taking a fee at each, say, at each stage and effectively serving a captive market. So by owning a splitter plant and leasing its capacity through a tolling or a processing arrangement, in theory, a midstream company doesn't incur any exposure to market risk. They're just uh, handling the goods and charging a toll en route. In these arrangements, the plant throughput is tied to a long-term processing agreement with a fixed fee per barrel, which is paid regardless of the actual volumes processed. And maybe just to take a step backwards, uh, there are a lot of different definitions around condensate. There's lease condensate and plant condensate, natural gasoline, and there can be some variation in the API gravity threshold that divides crude oil from condensate. So I'm wondering for our purposes today, how are we defining condensate? In this context, when we talk about condensate, we include any liquids which are lighter than 44 degrees API. So condensate is a hydrocarbon liquid which is naturally suspended in a gas under pressure while in the ground, but it turns into a liquid or condenses at the surface. So a lot of people would call this least condensate because it is condensate taken at normal atmospheric pressure and temperature at or near the wellhead. Now it is roughly similar in composition to the heaviest natural gas liquids, which are produced by processing wet gas, known variously as plant condensate, natural gasoline, or pentanes plus. Like those uh, natural gas liquids, condensate has a lot of light ends, including uh, propane and butane, but it also includes the heavier naphtha. So with those definitions in mind, where do you see the markets for condensate? Well, broadly speaking, there are three major markets for condensate. Um, the first one uh, we've touched on is refined products, uh, where condensate is distilled in a splitter and broken into component products blended into finished gasoline, diesel, and jet caro. Uh, Condensate can also be processed in a regular refinery. It doesn't have to be a splitter. Um, it can be processed on its own in a refinery or it can be blended with uh, heavier crude. After refining, the second market is uh, the diluent market. Uh, in this uh, case, condensate is used as a solvent 
to dilute heavy crude. And this uh, class of solvents is generically known as diluent. So the best example of this, the most common example in North America is that uh, naturally occurring heavy sour crude deposits uh, like those in the Canadian oil sands uh, produce uh, a bitumen, which is a kind of a viscous crude that won't actually flow at uh, room temperature. It's like a solid. So in order to get this crude to flow in pipelines to get it to refineries, it's blended at the wellhead with uh, anything up or upwards of 30% by volume of diluent, which are uh, lighter, uh, which can so. The diluent basically allows the, the heavier crude, mixes with the heavier crude allowing to flow. So Canadian diluent production has been increasing recently, but they still need to import around 170,000 barrels a day from the US. So to meet that demand in Canada, wellhead lease condensate uh, or plant condensate from gas processing plants is shipped by pipeline from the Houston region to the Midwest. Uh, where it travels on the Pembina Cochin or the Enbridge Southern Lights pipelines up to Hardesty and Edmonton in Western Canada for distribution to oil sand facilities. So the third market after refined products and diluent is chemical feedstock. Condensate is used as a feedstock for petrochemical steam crackers that process light hydrocarbons into ethylene, propylene and downstream derivatives used to produce plastics. Now, newer steam cracker plants in the US Gulf region are mostly configured to process ethane and or propane, the lightest gas liquids, which have been produced in abundance during the, during the shale era. In Europe, however, most steam crackers use naphtha from refineries as a feedstock. But in Asia, crackers use, uh, typically use Middle Eastern condensate. So there is international demand for Gulf Coast condensate in markets like South Korea, where the petrochemical plants use it as a feedstock. So thank you. Uh, shifting back to the condensate splitters, though, that's a big demand source in the Gulf Coast. Uh, how have these splitters performed since they came online between 2015, 2018? Well, the margins for splitters vary with the spread between the price of condensate and the price of crude. Um, so, for example, in 2015, uh, Eagleford light crude sold at the wellhead averaged about $8.75 a barrel lower than LLS, the kind of benchmark Gulf Coast crude at the time. So after transport, that equates to about a $6.25 a barrel discount. In 2016, that feedstock discount narrowed to $4.31 a barrel, and that was after the crude export ban was lifted, uh, effectively ending the stranded condensate situation. At the same time, as Eagleford condensate production was actually falling rapidly in response to uh, the crude price crash, which occurred in 2014 and 2015. So at that time, condensate spitters were actually left vying for uh, reduced production, scarce condensate uh, in a shrinking market, uh, which meant that spitter economics were undermined because that uh, spread uh, between condensate and crude prices narrowed. In 2018 and 2019, spitter margins actually improved as condensate discounts widened again above $10 a barrel. And that was in light of new production of condensate 
from the Permian, which created a glut of this ultralight clue, ultralight crew, which now, as well as Eagleford, included West Texas light from the Delaware Basin in the Permian. So the data shows us that both Trafigura and BP ran their spitters at full capacity in 2019. In 2020, through September, condensate discounts shrank again as both crude and product prices fell after the coronavirus shutdowns destroyed demand. So looking at the uh, prices for crude and the prices for products and bearing in mind some of the costs for uh, running spitters, which we estimated at about $3.40 a barrel for processing and transport costs of $3.50. A uh, splitter margin, uh, Morningstar, we, we um, estimated splitter margins over the past two years based on a, on a yield of about 43% naphtha and 36% distillates. So looking at those margins, they averaged about $8.79 a barrel last year in 2019 compared to an equivalent $11.23 a barrel for a 3 to one crack spread, which is a basic uh, spread between uh, WTI crude and twice as much gasoline as distillate. So effectively, uh, the splitter margins are not too far behind a regular refinery, but this year in 2020 actually collapsed to $1.15 a barrel compared to about $6.40 for the equivalent crack spread. So margins for refiners in general were pretty bad this year in quarter two and quarter three, but they were awful for condensate splitters. So these collapsing margins this year reflected lower product prices and narrower discounts for condensate versus WTI. Condensate production has fallen this year as the shale producers of turned towards quality. And what that means is they concentrate their production and drilling on higher priced crudes like regular WTI instead of lighter crudes like WTI Light or Eagleford. So if we look at the EIA data for production um, in Texas through July, the crude quality of that shows that crude over 40 degrees API, uh, which includes all the condensate, was down about 4% by July compared to January and February. Wow, so the the uh, margins have really gotten slammed. Uh, given the, the weak economics for the condensate splitters at the Gulf Coast, what do you think is going to happen to them? Where, where will they go? Well, uh, really low margins this year really call into question the value of splitters at the Gulf Coast. Uh, they've turned out to be uh, much less flexible than sophisticated refineries, and they can't react to changing product demand. It, basically, you, they split the crude and you get what you get. Uh, there's no downstream units to reprocess uh, or blend. So in an environment this year where refineries in general have run at about 79% on average of operable capacity uh, versus last year when they were running about 91%, the actual need for any splitter capacity is, is brought into question. Now, these tolling arrangements, which were set up for Trafficura and BP by midstream companies, actually still require them, they're committed to use the splitters or pay the processing fee, uh, more or less guaranteeing the plant owners their money. But there's one plant, uh, which is at the moment the subject of a, a legal action, and that's the 35,000 barrel a day Targa 
uh, splitter in channel view in the ship channel, which has never operated since its completion in December 2018 due to a legal dispute with, uh, uh, with VTOL over the terms of the, of the contract. And there are uh, still a number of small refineries uh, similar in, cope, in scope sorry, to, uh, to condensate splitters that have been on the drawing board in Texas and indeed uh, elsewhere in the US in North Dakota over the past few years. But these smaller plants uh, with simple processing capability now seem unlikely to attract the necessary finance in today's weak refining environment. So in short, the uh, prospects are not looking good for these bidders uh, in the future. Yeah. Well, thanks for all this background. I actually think that uh, the, the deeper you dig into this condensate splitter issue, the more you get into related issues that affect not just the Texas coast, but the entire globe. So I think the webinar we're going to do is going to give us a chance to look uh, a little bit more about relative prices of condensate in Edmonton and in the Asia Pacific and in the U.S. Gulf. And uh, we could take a look at how the market prices Eagle Ford condensate uh, in the absence of a real solid benchmark, uh, how it prices West Texas Light, which is that 45 to 50 API liquid produced out in the Midland area uh, and often shipped to Houston or Corpus. So we can also, I think, in the webinar, look at the forward curves and develop a view about whether those $15 discounts that you talked about for condensate in the Gulf Coast uh, will return. And finally, I think we're going to dig into what's likely to happen to these relatively new but currently unprofitable condensate splitters. Is there any scenario in which they become a profitable part of the uh, processing array in the Gulf Coast. So anyway, uh, thank you all for joining us. I hope that you can join us for the webinar at 10 a.m. Central Time on Thursday, November 19th. Remember, you can register for that webinar by going to argusmedia.com forward slash webinars. So thanks for tuning in, and we all look forward to uh, you joining us for the next episode of The Crude Report. 